The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by Alumni Ventures. Invest with confidence. Discover the power of venture investing with Alumni Ventures, America's largest venture firm for individual investors. Learn more at av.vc. LinkedIn presents. When you can't even see what's next and you're so scared of that uncertainty, how do you implement your sparkotypes? Hey there, in today's episode, our listener Jeff asks about an experience so many of us are in the middle of right now. How do I create that next great thing for me when I have no clear path or even direction? Beyond the cliche of one step forward, how do I utilize my superpowers in a way that makes impact? And on deck, joining me this week from the Spark Brain Trust to help tease out what really matters and share insights and ideas is founder of Parachute Coaching, acclaimed executive coach and advisor to senior leaders for more than two decades, and author of The Accidental Alpha Woman, Karen Wright. So quick note, you'll hear us mention something we call sparkotypes in conversation. Well, what's that? Turns out we all have a unique imprint for work that makes us come alive. This is your sparkotype. When you discover yours, everything kind of starts to make sense on a whole different level in work and life. And until you know yours, you're kind of fumbling in the dark. And just like today's listener did, you can discover your Sparkotype for free at sparkotype.com. You'll find a link in the show notes. Now, on to Jeff's story in question. I'm Jonathan Fields, and this is Sparked. Hi, Jonathan and the Sparked Brain Trust team. Uh, This is Jeff Harry. I go by he, him. Uh, The general life circumstances right now is I am experiencing uh, day 724 of 2020. In many ways, I feel like we have not left 2020. Um, And almost like I've been on a pause as I went back to the suburbs of Chicago to take care of my nephew right before the pandemic and, you know, watch out for my mom and make sure that she got vaccinated and everything like that. And then finally got through all that and finally came back to Oakland, California. And now I'm like, now what? Now what's next? I started an organization back in April of 2020 after I was laid off from my job. I'd actually started a little bit earlier before then. And the whole point of that work is to like, how do we make work better? How do, how do we make it so that people don't hate their jobs so much when they're there 2,500 hours, you know, a year? And a lot of the, you know, topics that I talk about is like navigating difficult conversations. How do you deal with that toxic person at work? How do you address your inner critic? How do you get your staff in flow? How do you address the great resignation using like play and positive psychology? And that is the work that I'm like super passionate about. And it's been fun being able to have those interesting conversations and get paid to do that. I think a challenging part that I have found um, is that most of the organizations that I want to work with that are struggling with psychological safety, they don't want to address it. They're the least likely to address it. Um, so I'm trying to figure that out. And then tying that into my spark type. So my primary spark type is advisor, as I do love to coach. I do love to mentor. I do love to teach. And then my secondary spark type is 
being a performer, performative. And I use performing as a way to slip in, you know, emotional intelligence uh, to address really like hard conversations. Like, how do we deal with that a-hole at work, right? How do we eradicate him or have him change his behavior? I want to talk about those things, but I use this performative. You can even see it in a lot of my videos where I'm being very silly, right? Or having people do a bunch of role-playing, but I'm slipping in something that actually matters because that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about how we can build more connection and more attunement through play so that people actually enjoy going to work. As for my anti-sparkotype, it's essential. It's being an essentialist. It's those detail-oriented, long slog, outreach, taxes, all that stuff is just like my kryptonite, which probably is getting in the way of me being able to do this work, you know, even in a, in a bigger way. As really, I would love to just be on bigger stages, not, not for an ego sense, but because I feel like not enough people are talking about stuff like toxic masculinity and toxicity in the workplace and stuff like that. And I'm like, yo, we got to address this or work's always going to suck. This is why so many people quit in the last year. So as you can tell, very passionate all about that. As for my question, my question to you is once you know your sparkotypes, how do you know how to implement them in a way to create something new when you have no blueprint of what that new even looks like? It's said, you know, what, like 20, 30 years ago, we didn't know that like Google and Facebook and Snapchat and TikTok would be even be a thing. How, how does one imagine that for their own self? How do I create the next great thing for me when I have no... ID even where to go, not even a path, not even like a direction. And yes, there's the cliche of like, oh, you just take one step forward and you follow your curiosity. And that's what I tell people as well. But many people need more than that, right? And they need to figure out how do I actually utilize my superpowers or my sparkotypes in a way that actually makes impact. So that would be my question of just like when you can't even see what's next and you're so scared of that uncertainty... How do you implement your sparkotypes? If you're interested in the story behind the business headlines, check out Big Technology Podcast, my weekly show that features in-depth interviews with CEOs, researchers, and reformers in business and technology. Hi, I'm Alex Kantrowitz. I'm a longtime journalist, CNBC contributor, and the host of the show. I empty my Rolodex every Wednesday to bring you awesome episodes. So go check out Big Technology Podcast. It's available on all podcast apps. I'd love to have you as a listener. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and so many tools to keep track of. Doing business can be hard, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot. Their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, higher quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. So that is a really interesting setup and it brings in an experience, Karen, that you and I have both had in that we've both started stuff ourselves. 
And we have been in this very position, Mm -hmm. maybe more than once even. Um, And we've also worked with bigger uh, organizations, which um, was sort of like mentioned early on, how do you get people to even really care about this stuff right now? So Karen, in addition to advising countless founders and senior leaders yourself, you've also, you've built your own organization that is a beautiful expression of your own personal advisor, Sparkotype, or the impulse that guides you through a process of awakening growth. So I'm curious, both drawing on your experience as a founder and also as somebody who has spent a lot of time and thousands and thousands of hours advising people with similar questions all along the way. What are some of your thoughts on um, some of the questions that were teed up here? One of the things that struck me was the idea of implementing your sparkotypes, which you don't do really. I mean, you the the sparkotype describes something innate, and so really, the reason what I do has been such a perfect fit for me is not because of a grand design or a master plan, but because I discovered something that resonated, that really lit up inside of me, and I rolled with it. And that's the, the essence of the coaching work that I do, really connects with my own advisor's archetype. And where I have had to learn to invite others into my world is when what's required doesn't line up well with my innate sparkotype with my innate um, needs and style. So, you know, Jeff said he's his auntie is an essentialist. Well, you know, that's that means that the creation of systems and blueprints, as he referred to them, that's going to be tricky. That's going to be hard. It's going to be probably depleting. And I could hear the frustration in his voice when he talked about, you know, I don't I don't even know how to how to create a blueprint. Well, there's probably a good reason for that. So there may be an opportunity for some for some collaboration, for some brainstorming, um, to maybe bring some others into his process. So he's not going it alone. Yeah, I mean, it was really interesting, right? Because part of what he said was, you know, um, for people like me, you know, where I don't actually know what this is going to look like yet. I don't know what the form. I, I know I have this impulse. I know I like there's stuff that I love to do. I know pieces of the puzzle, but I don't quite know what, like what the end point is. So how do I actually? How create a path or a process to this endpoint that doesn't exist yet. And this is, this is not unique to Jeff. Like no. this is the plight of almost every founder, every entrepreneur, whether you're starting a, a scalable company or a private practice or your own freelancing, whatever it may be, where you kind of know the feeling that you want it to have at the end. Yeah. But you don't necessarily, and even if you have a clear picture of what you think you want to create very often, by the time you create it, it looks nothing like that. <laughs> This is true. Well, and what he's got going for him is that secondary performer, which means he's probably comfortable out in the world talking with people about something that lights him up, something that he really believes in. And I know that my own path and when I've connected with people who are on a similar at a similar stage of the journey, the idea of just having lots of conversations, test driving ideas, seeing what what lights him up, what ideas resonate with other people. Um, putting himself in the path of lots of different stimuli and just seeing where his gifts seem to be adding something to a situation or or supporting another person's process. I mean, I think that that might be one way to think about the stage of things that he's at. Yeah, I mean, no, no doubt. It, it is interesting that he has that performer in him also. Like as we've seen in the data, 
that's actually the least prevalent sparkotype or impulse for work. Um, and it's actually the most prevalent anti-sparkotype. It's the things that people that tend to drain and empty people the most. So the fact that he has that in his sort of DNA to show up and work hard and do awesome things is a really interesting differentiator in a lot of ways because it's so it it just doesn't show up in in a whole lot of people, especially in the strength that um that it shows up in him. Yeah, and I think part of it is owning that. Well, you know, think about that in contrast with the essentialist, right? So it means the performer means he's less likely to want to sit alone and create that blueprint, you know. And notwithstanding the fact that he's not sort of wired that way anyway, the performer I think probably makes him even less oriented that way. And so I really think that's something he's got to bear in mind, it would be really counter to his nature to force himself to hunker down and, and try and build a blueprint. Yeah. What do you think about, so, so Jeff's sort of like direct question was about, you know, like, how do we, how do we create the path? What's the first step? But there was an implied question that he brought up earlier um, in his setup, which is that, you know, he's talking about all these different ways to, you know, essentially rehumanize the, the, the corporate, the organizational experience. And he's kind of saying, but, you know, people don't want to hear it right now. You have lived in a world in a way that I haven't, where, like, these are the clients you've been interacting with, with for, for decades. Talk to me a little bit about that point that he was making in that experience and what, what your take and experience has been around this, these ideas. I often will talk with clients about finding the friendlies, finding the people in an organization, in a situation that are even just slightly more interested in that idea or slightly more frustrated by a situation that's going on, finding an access point. And in Jeff's case, you know, find some of those people that are at least curious about the ideas that he's putting forward and curious about how could we make this better? And because I think with his advisor um, orientation coupled again with that performer, he can probably get some people excited pretty quickly. And, you know, it takes a, just a, a small group of people that can start to create a little bit of momentum. So he doesn't have to find a, a big organizational influencer to open a door necessarily. He can probably have some influence in small pockets and, and seed some ideas with some people who can then maybe create some momentum on their own with his support and enthusiasm behind them. Yeah, I love that. Do, do you have any thoughts on how to actually identify those people? Because especially if you're working with, you know, if you're a client or a customer, the people you want to work with or build something in service of is a bigger organization um, and you don't have immediate inroads into it. Do you have any, any take or any sense on how, how do you find those friendlies even, or like the, how do you find the very first friendly? I like to say that I've never made a cold call in my whole career. Um, and so I've started my business by asking people I knew if they could introduce me to two people that might be interested in what I had to say. So if everybody you know gives you two names, that's a lot of names pretty quickly. And then these days, LinkedIn is really useful, really powerful. And so if you post something that is maybe a little vulnerable, maybe a little provocative, you see who starts to chime in on it and who starts to respond to it. And those are people you can start to have conversations with. So there are ways to sort of test the waters a little bit. But mostly, I think you just have to put yourself out there a little bit and actually ask for introductions um, when you start talking with people you know about what you're excited about, what the change you're trying to create in the world. Yeah. And that's interesting in this context too, because as Jeff shared, and I've seen actually um, over a window of time now, 
he's really good at putting things out. Like he creates these videos mm -hmm. that are really funny and draw your attention in. And also underneath it, there's a poignance and a realness right. to it. You know, it's the difference between, I think what marketers would call inbound versus outbound marketing, right? Mm -hmm. You put something out there that really represents your essence, your point of view and, and the value you might offer. And, um, and, and, you know, it will show up in front of eventually the people who might, and you know, at that point become like the first friendly and then the second and then the third. Um, I know that's like, um, it's interesting also that you mentioned you on LinkedIn because I've been seeing you share more personal, more poignant, really interesting stuff on LinkedIn. And from the outside looking in, it looks like the response has kind of been exponential as you've been stepping into really sort of sharing more of your essence. You know, you are 100% right. So what Jeff has going for him is that he really does have a unique voice already established. He knows that about himself. That is a wonderful starting place. I've only recently started to get a little more courageous and to your point, just sort of open up a little bit more. I, for the longest time, was sort of loud and proud on LinkedIn is all for business and I've got to be the proper business self. And really, in the last couple of years, particularly, I've decided that there just isn't time for that level of artifice or facade or whatever you want to call it. And, uh, and so I've said within my company, we only want to work with humans who really care about other humans and humans who care about making the world a better place. And that's the, the level of openness that I'm trying to put out into the world. And you're right, the response has been wonderful. Yeah, it, it is. Um, it's so interesting. And and then when you think about um, Jeff, you know, he's got the advisor and then the performer side of it, you know, he has this ability to just really draw you in. Um, so part of it is almost, I almost want to like say to him, keep doing more of, yes. of, of what you're doing and, and just figure out ways to share it as, as widely and with the, the most aligned potential audience humanly possible and, and know that over time people will start to discover it and say yes. Um, and yeah. we, I think if you're consistently putting out a message that you really believe in, I, I do believe that people come, but really it's, he's got to have the, the faith in what he has to offer and the commitment to those ideas and just, and keep at it because he does already have a voice. He already does great work. Yeah. And the whole idea of like, what will this look like? Like what is, how do I, how do I decide? Cause he's asking really two questions. Like, how do I figure out what the first step is? But then he's also asking, what is this eventually going to be? What should it be? You know, and how do you, how do you answer the first when you don't yet know the second? And, and, and you know, the real answer is the end state never reveals itself in, like long in advance. You, you implement it into reality, you know, mm -hmm. which is, counter to the mythology that we hear could de develop a business plan, do your pro formas, you know, get a really, really, really clear idea of where you want to go. Like the classic self-help mythology is, you know, um, if you don't know where you're going to go, like <laughs> that, that's where you're going to land. What I completely butchered that, but, um, <laughs> but, but effectively people are saying like, you, you need to have a really crystal clear picture of the exact end state. If you want to know how to actually, take the steps necessary to make it real. But the truth is in entrepreneurship, in building a personal career and building a personal practice, very often we don't know and we can't know because right. those things don't become clear until we interact with the world and the world tells us 
yes or no? And then we ask ourselves, well, is there a yes or no resonant with what I actually want to do and, and, and become and put out and offer to the world? Yeah. And I think the vision to hold is the vision of the impact you want to have. What's the contribution you want to make and be okay with it taking any number of forms and start where you are and just keep taking, you know, and he, he said it, or just take one step. Well, I don't even know what direction. Well, he already knows a lot about who he is, what's important to him and who tends to resonate with, with his messages. So I think he's already further along than he believes he is, but you're right. I don't think any of us really know what it's going to look like. Yeah. And I think even when we do, um, we're most often wrong. You know, every endeavor starts out with some blend of assumptions, also known as complete and utter guesses and leaps of faith <laughs> that, we, that we call capital A assumptions because it sounds more businessy and we can put right. it into a business plan and people are like, oh, that's your assumptions. <laughs> I, I have written many assumptions, the vast majority of which were nowhere close to reality once the business was in existence. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we build the the vision on top of those assumptions but if the assumptions are off which they almost always are the vision is off um so we've got to hold that really lightly and to your point i I feel like jeff is really discounting all the things he's already doing yeah because he's sitting there he's like i'm putting these things into the world i'm creating videos i'm having conversations i'm like you know presenting and i'm like you're actually doing it (laughs) yeah and i mean for me at least the advisor style tends to operate on, I'm going to say a smaller scale. Now, maybe his performer has him wanting to hit bigger stages and bigger audiences. And that's probably having a little bit of a a factor, but but you can have great influence reaching people one-on-one, one-on-some, you know, and and scaling from there. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, You know, it was interesting uh, as we had this conversation, I've recently wrapped um, an amazing experience facilitating a half day fresh start workshop for people who are sort of trying to figure out, okay, so how do I take this deeper part of me, the part that that is all about the work that makes me come alive and and create some kind of fresh start in my work world. And I asked them in the beginning, I said, I, I said, here's a question for you. I did a quick poll and said, how many of you are looking for that fresh start in your current job or place of employment? We just want to feel differently the way that you're doing it. How many of you are just really looking to do something entirely different for a whole new opportunity, a new job, a new industry, whatever it is? And how many of you are looking to get that feeling because you just want to start your own thing? You just, you're done (laughs) saying yes to other opportunities. You want to literally create something from nothing. 26% wanted to basically stay where they were, but reimagine it in a way or recraft it. So it felt a whole lot better. It was much more sparked. Nice. 29% were looking for a completely different opportunity. They're like, you know what? I just want something new. I want a fresh start somewhere else. Like I, and a lot of that is, I think, because they can't really conceive of being able to do it where they are. And there's a little mythology around that. And then that third number though, the ones who want to start their own thing, 45%. So the vast majority of people wanted to start their own endeavor in order to get that fresh start that they were looking for. And that kind of syncs with a lot of the news that we're hearing, where just a lot of people are actually not leaving for other jobs. They're leaving because they want to just do their own thing. Yeah. And to have the kind of impact that they want to design for themselves. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a huge thing. I thought it'd be interesting also. I mean, when I think about um, 
I've been fortunate to start a number of different companies and businesses and ventures over the years. And in the context of starting your own thing, it's very different than looking for the right fit between who you are and what you need to come alive and some existing opportunity or position Mm -hmm. in an established organization. It's just, it's a different equation, you know? And the beauty is that here, you get to create something from the ground up that is hopefully the most aligned, truest expression of who you are, what makes you come alive, that spark of type impulse, right? But at the same time, and I think this is part of what Jeff was getting to, you have to figure out this thing that the the entrepreneurial world likes to call, quote, product market fit. <laughs> right. Um, and I have real mixed opinions on that. On the one hand, yes, you know, um, product market fit matters. And product market fit is basically just you have to figure out a way to offer value to other people that they actually want and value enough to pay you to sustain yourself in the world. So that matters. Like we can't have a business or a consulting practice or whatever it may be if we don't figure that out, right? But at the same time, sometimes we 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 get so wrapped up in chasing that and trying to figure out what do they want from me? What do they want from me? What do they want from me? How do I package it in a way where they want it and they'll buy it and they'll pay for it and I can build this thing that I want to build that we kind of forget that if we're not doing it in a way that also fills us up, then we end up creating something that can be outwardly successful. But inwardly, we've kind of just recreated the scenario that we probably left when we thought we were leaving a job that was emptying us out. One of the most powerful moments I had in my coaching business career, and thankfully it was early, was when I was being interviewed by a client and he said, you're hired. Do you want to know why? And I mean, through the course of the interview, he had asked me a number of questions, not only about how I coach, but about my life and, and so on. And uh, he said, do you want to know why? And I said, sure. And he said, because I want what you've got. Mm. And so, you know, and I think back again to Jeff and the, and the joy that he shows up with and the positive energy that he exudes all the time and the playfulness and the fun with which he approaches everything. I think that's going to take him a long way in terms of being sort of a magnet for the kind of clients who are going to really want to connect with him and say, no, you know what, whatever it is you're doing, let's talk because I want a piece of that. I really want to, you know, experience more of what you seem to experience in your life. Mm, yeah. Um, that feeling of aliveness. <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Enough, isn't, right? Isn't that what we all want at the end of the yeah. day from the work that we're doing? I so agree. So, so as we start to come full circle and sort of like our reflections on Jeff's question, and certainly a question that's being asked by a lot of people, if at least the 45% of the folks who are in the workshop that, uh, that I just facilitated, uh, and um, we're seeing that at scale with the data that we're seeing of people, you know, like changing what they're doing these days. If you think about, you know, what would, if you were to tell Jeff, like, this is the most important thing that I would invite you to really focus on at this moment in time, what would you think that would be? Well, he says he's already out there having conversations and talking to people. I want him to pay more attention to what he's hearing in those conversations and noticing the through lines because he might not be at the scale that he somehow imagines for himself, but I believe that he's probably already hearing clear messages about the importance of what he's bringing to the party. And, you know, when you're an advisor, oftentimes people aren't necessarily buying the business or the framework or the product, they're buying you. 
And so I think he might be closer than he thinks. Mm. As you were sharing that, I was like, it's the when Harry met Sally, like diner moment. It's like, <laughs> I'll have what she's having. <laughs> it's like, we want that feeling of just being utterly ourselves, like fully right. expressed in the moment and accepted and joyful for who we are. And you're, you're so right. I think we get so wrapped up in what is the value proposition that we're selling and you know, if you've ever had any sales background, we're probably trained in that to say like, they're not buying you, they're buying the thing because it helps you keep showing up when in fact, we know pretty well that part of what they're buying is us and our, our in this case, presence. It is definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, to really just dial up your presence, you know, stand fully in your essence in who mm -hmm. you are. And at the same time, I agree with you. I think, you know, like part of the takeaway for me would be stand fully in who you are. Um, if anything, dial it up. Um, don't ever dim it. And have a lot of conversations purely for the for the purpose of learning. Mm -hmm. You know, focus less on what that end state is going to look like. It will reveal itself over time as you take the steps. It's going to show its hand. And eventually it may show enough where you can create that bigger, more solid vision. But, um, you know, work on simultaneously having conversations that allow you to show up as yourself and continue to elicit what are people generally responding to when I show up and have these conversations? Is it the ideas? Is it the presence? Is it some blend of these? And then start to run experiments. Well, let me try, you know, like, what if I offered it in this way? Mm -hmm. What if I spoke about these topics? What if I offered these ideas or frameworks? Right. And just see how people respond. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and don't think less of what you're up to because you're not at scale yet. Mm. You know, having a really powerful impact on one person or five people or, you know, any small number, that's got value and that's got a ripple effect. I once worked with a client who, when I asked her about her vision for the work that she was doing, she said she, I think she, she referred, her name was Donna. She said she wanted it to be six degrees of Donna. She wanted to know that everything she was up to had enough ripple to affect six people, you know, outwards from her. And that was the way she'd know that she was having enough, an, an impact that was big enough for her. Mm, I love that. And it so resonates. You know, I have many times ended up being invited into an organization to do a keynote or a workshop or a training because somebody initially discovered, you know, me as like a five minute clip of me on a podcast somewhere yeah. or something that I produced that was just out into the world. And then that one person told somebody else in you know, L&D or HR in the company, or maybe they were mm -hmm. in leadership, and then they brought me in. And then that leads to another opportunity in the organization. And then that sort of like, it creates the ripple effect. Um, but a lot of times I think we think that first friendly that you described in the beginning of our conversation, it has to be a senior leader. But very often it's actually the exact opposite. It's somebody Agreed. who brings you in and then it ripples up rather than down and out. It really can. Yeah, love this. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Hey, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation, learned a little something about your own quest to come alive in work and life, and maybe feel a little bit less alone along this journey to find and do what sparks you. And if you'd love to share your own moment and question with us, we would love to hear from you. Just go ahead and click on the submissions link in the show notes to get the details on how to do that. And remember, if you're at a moment of exploration, looking to find and do or even create work that makes you come more fully alive, that brings more meaning and purpose and joy into your life, 
take the time to discover your own personal Sparkotype for free at Sparkotype.com. It'll open your eyes to a deeper understanding of yourself and open the door to possibility like never before. And hey, if you're finding value in these conversations, please just take an extra second right now to follow and rate Sparked in your favorite podcast app. This is so helpful in helping others find the show and growing our community so that we can all come alive and work in life together. Until next time, I'm Jonathan Fields, and this is Sparked.